The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Thanks, Adam. I don't know if you're like me, but watching the, the screen during those, the creed and the words, like and seeing that, I don't know if it was like a Jesus-like figure or like the Holy Spirit right there, but it was kind of, it was cool on the creed because it like connected the Son and the Spirit together. And it, oh, it was neat, but uh, anyway... Well, welcome. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, Reformation, and not just this day, because today is Reformation Day that we celebrate in our church year calendar, but we're going to talk about Reformation in general and, um, and what that looks like in our lives, but also look back of the reasons, we'll look at a biblical character of, of excuses for reasons why, uh, why they didn't reform or, or why they didn't feel like they were chosen in a way. But, um, but let me recap or start uh, to talk about the Reformation, what that is, um, because when I was a kid growing up, I heard the word Reformation and it just went over my head. And then I heard the word, or the, the name Martin Luther, and I thought it was the same guy that, you know, we got a day off from school, also in January, and I was like, I like this guy, and we're talking about him in church, he must be a cool guy, right? Um, and then I found out, no, we celebrate uh, Reformation Day, which Martin Luther performed on 31st, and I thought, this guy is good. He gets two holidays, like, Wow, Santa only gets one, but Martin Luther got two. And then I realized, oh, different guys. But very similar in some ways because they're both reformers. Um, they're both uh, um, standing up for freedom and justice and, and the right thing, um, even though one was 50 years ago and one was 500 years ago. And so we celebrate that this week and we look at what Reformation's all about. And really, it's about um, this, uh, this idea and one of the key concepts was this priesthood of all believers um, concept. It, it'll go up there, but we're going to talk about chosen and called today. But this priesthood of all believers, and what that means is that at the time of the Reformation, 500 years ago, um, it was a very papal society, meaning everything was run by the pope and by the bishops and by the priests. And if you weren't one of them, you just had to listen and follow to what they said. And Martin Luther said, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. They're telling us a lot of stuff that isn't in Scripture, and they're making it mandatory, and we need to reform that. that. That's not okay. And so Martin Luther really was about faith alone, grace alone, and Scripture alone, and, and really going back to those key basics. And, and so we're going to talk about that. Um, and, the, and our key verse, really, what I want to focus on today is that you are a chosen race, or some versions say a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God. Whoop, let me move out of the way there. Um, and that this idea that, that we are all chosen, we are all called, we are also all a royal priesthood, meaning that you are all in your own way pastors, right? You all are like the pastor of your neighborhood or the pastor of your, your school or maybe the pastor of uh, your workplace, and, and that God calls us to that. But sometimes that's a scary thing, right? And sometimes we say, well, I'll just bring my friend to church and I'll let the pastor do all that kind of stuff. And, and God calls us, he chooses us to use us in that way to reach our friends and our neighbors. And that's what I love about Acts here is that we're really about, you know, reaching out and about serving with, with everybody and, and sharing that message of, of salvation. And so um, I want to talk today about some of the excuses that, that we often come up with. And, and I thought I'd start off by, by sharing excuses that I often hear as a college professor and in my two and a half years teaching college, I've heard every single one of these, and maybe, hopefully none of our college students have engaged in any of these. I know none of my students have, but uh, maybe you've used these yourself. Here's one of them. Uh, my dog ate my homework. 
actually had a student say that. She had a dog, and, and uh, she was a senior, and her dog actually ate her homework uh, in college. And so that one, what about another one? Um, I ran out of gas. I've heard this one a couple times. I ran out of gas, and I, I couldn't get to class. Uh, another one, I, I was too tired. I overslept, uh, and I couldn't make it. Uh, another one, I just forgot right? I just forgot. Uh, I didn't read my syllabus. I didn't set my alarm, whatever. Uh, I forgot. Well, this one, I'm just too busy, too overworked, too stressed, right? That's often an excuse we come up with. Um, and then, is there another one here? I don't think so. That might be it. So we're going to talk about a guy today um, that made a lot of excuses, and his name is Moses. And uh, Moses came up with every excuse you can think of in the book, and ones that we often come up with today um, when God called him into ministry. And, uh, and you might know this Moses, this powerful Moses guy of, of like, you know, parting the Red Sea, right? Or you might know the Moses of, uh, you know, up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and that powerful kind of thing. But, but oftentimes I don't think we think of the Moses that, that is at the burning bush, that receives uh, God's calling on his life and, and is almost fearful of it and, and makes excuses in many ways. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So if you want to open up your Bibles and follow along, we're going to uh, really focus on Exodus chapter 3 and 4 and look at five of Moses' excuses, all right? Five of Moses' excuses. And we'll, we'll look at how our own lives are oftentimes impacted by that when we think of God calling us. When God's saying, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, um, a holy nation, people belonging to God, and we often say, whoa, 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 God, that, I, I want to believe in you, but that's too much. I, I can't go all in in that way. And so how do we usually respond, and how did Moses respond? I think we can learn a lot from that today. So um, Exodus chapter 3 is where it starts out. little background, Moses uh, was a, a shepherd. Um, he went, he had killed a guy, and went running, went fleeing, because they knew they were after him. And so he wandered in this uh, prairie land and, and ended up meeting this, this beautiful girl and marrying her. And then because you do that, you have to work for your father-in-law. And, uh, and so then he tended sheep. And he tended sheep, and while he's tending sheep, he sees this bush. And this bush is burning, it's on fire, but it's not. Now, I don't know about you, but if you saw a burning bush that was on fire but not, and then it started talking to you, you'd think something was wrong with my medication or I shouldn't have had that much, that glass of wine last night or, or whatever, but uh, or I get more sleep or we, all these things. But, but Moses has this divine encounter with God, and, and so that's where we'll start. Um, we'll start at verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abram, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And in this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, indeed, I have seen the misery of all my people. And he gives them the whole reason why he is calling Moses, because uh, these people are enslaved and they need to be freed. And so... Uh, after giving that whole thing, verse 10, he says, Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And then here's Moses' first excuse. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? And maybe sometimes we have that excuse where we, we say, 
Why me, God? Why me? Why not that guy? Or why not that guy? Why are you choosing me? Why are you picking on me? Why me? I'm, I'm not qualified. I, I'm not good enough. Why me, God? And we tend to run like Jonah. It was, it was 1995, and I, I attended the National Youth Gathering. It, that year it was in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, I was living in California at that time, and my, my uh, parents made me go to this gathering. And, and I, I didn't really want to go because I was like, I don't want to go to this churchy thing for like a week. Like, that, that sounds really lame. But then somebody told me, well, there's 25,000 people there. And I did the math in my head. I said, 25,000 people. That means that half of them, more or less, are going to be female. That's pretty good odds. That's, that's awesome. There's going to be like 13,000 girls there, teenage girls that, you know, are excited about their faith and all that. So I said, all right, I'll go. And so I was there just for the fun. I was there just to, uh, just to have a good time. And, and uh, this one night, I remember we were sitting in worship in the Alamo Dome and, uh, you know, 25,000 people singing the cutting-edge worship song of Shine, Jesus, Shine. And, you know, uh, and it was just powerful and... and uh, all of a sudden, I sense this, this heaviness of the Holy Spirit just come over me. I'm like, wow. And, and I start to cry, and I start to realize, God, are you, are you calling me? And I said, no, 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 no. God, get, get away. No, no, I'm not into this churchy stuff. Like, okay, this is a nice event and all, but, but no, go away. And uh, I went home after that event and, and kept trying to run. I kept trying to run from God. And, and I, my pastor encouraged me and said, no, you, you should be a pastor. And I said, no, that's, that's dorky. No, I don't want to be a pastor. Uh, and I kept making excuse after excuse after excuse. And I said, why, God? Why, why me? I'm, I'm just this dorky little kid. Like, no. And eventually he got a hold of me and he said, no, you, I'm calling you and uh, I will qualify you. You don't, have to, you don't have to think you're good enough, but I will make you and give you everything you need. And from then on, I, here I am, I've been doing this for, you know, 17 years now, and, and uh, it's not so dorky. It, it's actually kind of cool and, and really fun and, and cool to see lives change. But I asked that question, why me, God? And I, I made that excuse, and I ran from God. And, and here is God's response from that. He says, and God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that this is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And so to know that too, that, that you're not alone when God calls you. That God calls you and he says, I will be with you. You're not alone. It's going to be scary, but, but know that you have somebody with you to go alongside of you um, and go. So I will be with you. All right, excuse number two. Number one is what? Why me? All right, just making sure you're still awake. Okay. Number two, in, uh, in verse 13, it goes on. And then Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers, fathers have sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? So basically Moses is saying this, who are you? Who are you? Why should I tell them that you are the God to be served? Why are you the, the right God? Because this is a very polytheistic society that they're living in. There's, there's millions of gods that people are just making up and, you know, they're worshiping their altars and all this stuff. And, and so why should I tell them, who are you that they should worship you, the one true God? Why? Um, and this is where God responds simply by saying, I am. I am. And, 
this, this phrase in Hebrew is, is Yahweh, I am. And it, it, it's all-encompassing. It, it's the God who was, who is, who is to come. And it became this, this name, this word. Like if you've ever watched Harry Potter, it's like Voldemort, where it's the name you can't say. And at that time, you couldn't say it because it was so holy, not because it was so evil, but because it was so holy. And, and they gave God so much reverence that, that they wouldn't say God's name. They wouldn't say Yahweh because he was holy. He was good, and they were not. And so, uh, so he, he's this I am. He's this all-encompassing thing. And, and um, anytime you see in your Bible where it has Lord all the way capitalized, that's where that word Yahweh would be. And, and so it's still in our Bibles today that you see that, and you, you see that in this, this section of Scripture right here too. So, so God's response is, is simply, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, there's that word, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So God is a generational God. He, he goes on in the past, but also promises in the future. And it's not just a one-time kind of God of fix, you know, of I need you now, but it's, a, it's an everlasting covenant from, from all of time. So that's excuse number two. All right, number three, we're going to skip a little bit because he, he goes on about that. And uh, chapter four, verse one is, is excuse number three. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? And this is a big excuse I think we often say, what, what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't listen to me? I, I don't have the words to say. I'm afraid, God. I don't, I don't know what to say. What if they don't listen to me? I have a friend named Brad. He, I used to work with him at, at my last church up in Omaha. And uh, this summer, he took a group of high school students to Mozambique, Africa. And while he was there, they did a lot of mission work, and, and they worked in a village there. But one of the days, they said, all right, we're just going to go out, and we're just going to find people to pray with. And they took their interpreter with them, and, and they went to this village, and, and they, they just found people that they could pray for and, and with. And so as they did, I mean, word got, people were excited because, I mean, they had a couple people that were being healed in, in certain ways. And, and, and so there's, as they're doing this, there's like this gang of guys, and there's, there's these five guys that just have these evil scowls on them, on their faces, and, and during, as they're, they're praying, they're just making fun of them. They're mocking them. They're ridiculing them. They're, they're saying, you Jesus guys, you go away, you know, and, and all this stuff. And, and um, they just keep being faithful and keep praying. And eventually, Brad says to the rest of the group, the high schoolers and the other volunteers that are helping out, he says, hey guys, I really feel like God is calling us to go over and ask those guys if we can pray for them. And all the high schoolers are just like, no, we can't. We might get killed. Like, no. Like, guess it. Brad says, no. It, it'll be okay. I, I feel like God is really calling us to do this. And so they all go together over in a group, and, and they ask the the five guys, "Hey guys, can we can we pray for you in any way?" And the guys just start railing on them, making fun of them, and, and just you know cursing them out and all these things. And all of a sudden, one of the guys says, huh, "You you try and heal me, and we'll see if this God thing really works." And so, uh, so they pray for this guy, and he has, a, he has a bad shoulder. And they pray for him for a couple minutes, and, 
And they pray in the powerful name of Jesus, and all of a sudden, like, his shoulder feels better. And they, he, can't, he can't describe it. He can't explain it. And so the other, the other guys are kind of skeptical still, and, and, and so uh, they pray for another guy, and, and he has a, a, a bad leg, and, and somehow he feels better. He's healed. And so the ringleader of this group, his name was Edward. He's actually the guy right here you see is the guy with this scowl that you, I mean, is not in this picture. It's even worse than this, but just, you know, hateful scowl. And he says, all right, if your God is really real, then you pray for me. My neck is hurt. I was hurt in a fight a couple years ago, and I have not been right. See if your God can heal me. And they pray for him, and by this time, a, a group of the village have, have gathered around, and it's, it's amazing to see, but after this, his demeanor changes after they pray, and, and he's got this smile, and his tears are running down his face, and he says, Edward says to their group, he says, you tell me about Jesus. You tell me about Jesus. And for the next two to three hours, through their interpreter, they start telling about Jesus and his message and where he came from and why he's there and, and his plan for salvation and new life and all this stuff. And it's amazing to see how that village was changed just by simple prayer. And this group of Americans from Omaha, Nebraska, didn't really know what to say. They were just being faithful to God and said, God will give us the words. It's not our power, it's God's power. And, um, and, and through that, um, God did amazing, amazing things. And so here's God's response to Moses. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And so Moses threw it on the ground, it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took I would never do that, by the way, but I guess if God told me to do it, I would do it, but I don't recommend picking up snakes anyway. Uh, reached out, took a hold of the snake, and turned back into a staff into his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, and Moses put it back. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And it goes on. God says, if they don't believe this sign, they'll believe this one, and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, one of the things is, like that story or like this, we don't always get miraculous signs from God. We don't always get these interventions or God signs. But God gives us the words to say, and he is faithful, and he will do it. And all we are called to do is, whether we're persecuted or mocked, is just to, to share God's word in that way, that he will give us the words to say. And so we go on to excuse four. Moses is just like on a roll. He's like, oh, man, all right, God, you've already taken three of them. Like, what else do I have? Let's see. I, there's got to be something. I mean, maybe I have something tomorrow on my calendar or, or whatever. But, but here's what he comes up with is excuse number four. Um, four oh, actually, we just did four. No. Here it is, 410. It's in 410. Uh, Moses said to the Lord, oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow in speech and in tongue. Basically, what if I'm not gifted enough? I hear this excuse all the time, and to be honest, I, I use this excuse all the time, uh, where somebody asks you to do something, you're like, I mean, I'm just not that good. Like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not as good a preacher as Gabe, or, or I'm not that good, or I wish I knew that, that knowledge, or, or if only, you know, I had 
had more training, I could do this, or, or whatever it is. We come up with, with excuses, but what if I'm not gifted enough? And you don't have to go to, to seminary or go to Concordia or go to, to share God's message. God has already gifted you in amazing ways through the waters of baptism. He's, he's, he's given you his spirit. He's put that into you and given you the gifts that you need to accomplish God's mission in that way. Um, I love just kind of this comparison of, here's a picture of penguins. I, I, I was just looking for something to compare one thing to another, and I got this picture of cute penguins, so I'm like, that's a good way. But, but how often do we compare ourselves to one another? And one of the reasons is, especially in this day and age, in our society um, of social media, is, is this quote right here. The reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. Isn't that so true? The things we see on Facebook or on Twitter or um, or on Instagram, we we think everybody's just having great vacations all the time and their kids are just always awesome. And, you know, even, even celebrities, think about the celebrity culture. Oftentimes we just see the good and that they're making money and that, you know, all this great stuff, but we don't see the behind the scenes where they oftentimes struggle with their marriages or have to go through rehab because they've, had too many chemicals in their body of, of some sort and have addiction. And, and so when we, when we realize that God has gifted us all uniquely and that we don't have to compare ourselves to others, that can do powerful, powerful things in our life, right? And so here's God's response. Um, God says this, The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. It is God who works in us and gifts us and and allows us to do what we do, and we give him all credit and all glory for that. And finally, I love Moses' last excuse, because Moses' last excuse is, I think, my favorite, because I think he runs out of his list of excuses, and this is what he says. But Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. I mean, he, he runs out. He's just like, all right, God, uh, I got nothing else. I just don't want to do it. Just send that guy because why me? Send someone else to do it. And I think we often do this in our society, right? We, we think, oh, that guy will do it. Or we see a piece of trash. It starts as little as that. We see a piece of trash on the floor thinking, well, that's not my job. Somebody else will do that. I don't want to do that. Some, you know, but, but think about the movements that have been started, like the Reformation. It starts with one person, and eventually another person, and another person, another person, and eventually you've got a mass of people, and that starts a movement, and starts a Reformation. Starts a, uh, you know, and I've heard this, that, that there's a, a new Reformation coming. And that Reformation usually happens about every 500 years, right? Um, and that this new Reformation goes against, you know, uh, a lot of the separatist, like, denominationalism that we have, and, and Christians unify more together instead of fighting with each other, and, and we get more of this priesthood of all believers where people are actually living out their calling in their neighborhoods and at their workplaces and, um, and those kinds of things. And, and it's because they, they don't put the burden on somebody else. They don't say, somebody else will do it. That's my pastor's job. Pastor's job is always to pray when we're eating dinner or we're in a small group or whatever. No, they take the ownership on themselves and say, no, it's, it's, it's me, right? God has called me to do that. 
And, and here's God's response when we tell him somebody else do it, and this is pretty remarkable. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you to speak. I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if it were your mouth and as if you were God to him. And so God's angry because Moses doesn't step up, but he says, all right, I can work with that. And I'm not going to send you out alone. Not only will I be with you, but now I'm going to send out somebody else to be with you, to be your partner um, in ministry in that way. And, and I think we sometimes fail to realize that we have the global church, that we're not alone. And oftentimes it feels like we're so alone, but, but as we, we did the creed earlier, um, we, I love that. I, I just imagine like this crowd of people all on Sunday morning, like standing up, taking over all the streets and saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. How powerful that is when we say that and how, how Satan hates to hear that, but how glorifying that is when we speak that together with the worldwide church, not only today, but also with the people thousands of years ago that also spoke that same creed and said, I believe, I believe. And that's powerful. That is powerful. But to know that you're not alone, when, when God says, send someone else, that he gives you, he gives you everything you need to do it. All right, just to close with, I want to, Bring this now to modern times and, and to, to Jesus, because I think Jesus fulfills all these excuses. Because we have a God that, that doesn't give us excuses. And, and so here's our, the first way. Excuse number one, let's, let's do a little test, was what? Why me? Number two? All right, who are you? Number three? What if they don't let, so many people are writing notes, good for you, Sandy, yes. Number four? What if I'm not gifted up at number five? Send someone else. Send someone else. And so um, here's the first one is why me? And Jesus responds to this. Jesus takes on all these excuses in the New Testament, in the Gospels. And when, when somebody says, why me? Jesus responds with, I will be with you to the end. That we know that he has promised in Matthew 28 that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us that he will be with us in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we are surrounded. And that is an amazing promise that, that he leaves us with. Uh, number two, who are you? This is pretty fascinating. Did you know that in the book of John that Jesus continually says this I am statement often? And that's one of the reasons that gets him killed. That, that blasphemy, that he is saying this name of God and he is saying I am. And he says it in many different ways. He says uh, seven times in the book of John, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the open gate. Um, and there's all kinds. Of, this picture shows kind of some of those. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. Powerful. That he says, no, I am God. I am able to fulfill that and take over. I am a God you can trust in the past, in the present, and in the future. The third one was, uh, what if they don't listen to me? And Luke says this, records this in his gospel. The, the um, disciples were the same way. 
They were afraid. They, they said, we don't really know what to say, Jesus. We don't know how to respond when you send us out. Jesus says, don't worry about that. I will give you the words to say through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he gave that promise to his disciples. He gives it to us even still today that I will be with you. I will give you the words to say. You can find that in Luke 21. Uh, another one, what if I'm not gifted? Excuse number four. And in John 14, Jesus says this, I will send you the Holy Spirit. I will send you the Holy Spirit who gifts you, who, who helps you, who gives you the words to say in that way. And then lastly, send someone else. And I love Jesus' response to this because he says, okay, I will take this on. He says, it is finished. He says, I have done it. I have the power and authority. He says that in Matthew 28, all power and authority has been given to me because the name of Jesus is powerful and he has done it. And so if you go to the next one, we know that's only possible by the cross. Now think about that. Jesus had every reason as he's hanging on the cross to say, God, it, it, it's, it's not my fault. God, I didn't do this. God, it was those people. Those are the people that did this. Why am I up here? Why? But he doesn't do that. He takes it. And he says it's finished because he takes on all of our excuses upon that cross. He takes upon all our sins. He takes upon all our worries upon that cross. And because of that, we have that power. We no longer have to have excuses. And, and even when we do have excuses, and you will still have excuses for when God calls you, that he says, it's okay, I've got you. That we trust in the powerful name of Jesus that he has done it. And that's powerful. And so I want you to, to end with this, is that as we talk about this priesthood of all believers and this theme that we're all called in certain ways, that God calls you, and, and even though at certain times you may make excuses for why you don't want to, uh, whatever, spend time with your neighbors or, or you're afraid to share God's message, that he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're part of the puzzle. I need you in this body of Christ that, that he's assembled. And that's a beautiful picture of the church with Jesus at the head and all of us connected to each other, that we need each other. We need the church. We need that. And so I pray for you this weekend and as you go out that may you know the amazing power that God has given to you, that he has called you, that he has chosen you to be a royal priesthood. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for this church, I pray for the church around the world, Lord, that, that we would um, no longer make excuses, that we realize that you have called us, that you love us, and that, that you have called us to go out and be your hands and feet. So God, when we do make excuses, I pray that, that, that you would uh, help us to understand that, that this is Jesus, that only by the power of Jesus can we do these things, but that he has cleansed us, he has washed us, he has made us anew. And I thank you for that. And I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would um, empower each of these person, people, that you would help them to understand um, that you have gifted them in, in powerful ways, that, that it is by your power that we are able to do what we do. So God, we give you all praise and glory and honor. And all God's people send agreement. All God's people send agreement? Amen. amen. Yes, amen.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.